Not every neighborhood gets the opportunity to choose the type of education their students receive. We heard from Othello Meadows and 75 North, the community quarterback in Omaha, in the second episode. They are working within the public school system infrastructure. Nebraska is one of six states that does not allow the creation of public charter schools. So they had to be creative in building out their approach, and they faced some challenges right up front. So we, you know, we really didn't have any other choice but to work with the public school district. And to be really blunt, um, that wasn't a great choice at the beginning. Uh, there was a lot of volatility both in the, the, at the, the highest levels of leadership and then at the board level. Uh, tremendous turnover, uh, lots of dysfunction. Welcome to This Is Community, a podcast series by Purposeful Communities. In the last episode, we saw how Drew Charter School has helped in the transformation of Eastlake in Atlanta. In this episode, we'll hear the story of how Howard Kennedy Elementary is adapting the Cradle to College pipeline pioneered at Drew, but through the public school system. This is episode five, Think Big, Start Small. Othello and 75 North saw what was happening at Drew and Eastlake and wanted to replicate it in the Highlander neighborhood in Omaha. They couldn't use the charter approach, but they had been lucky in other ways, and they learned to use those other opportunities and resources to their advantage. Omaha is kind of one of these places that's, uh, um, and I say this kind of as somewhat of a good thing, Omaha's a little bit behind the curve with a lot of other things, right, uh, with a lot of trends. So the first 18 years of my life, Omaha as a whole was a pretty sleepy place. Um, always a pretty business forward place, but sleepy, you know, there wasn't, um, there was a lot lacking as far as culture and, 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 and things to do or whatever. Um, but as a whole, the city in the time that I've been away and since I've come back has really been on sort of this fast track. The, the troubling part is that not the entire city has been on that same track. Um, so you see tremendous growth in downtown. There's always been tremendous growth on the west side of the city, uh, which is largely affluent and suburban, um, and a lot of growth in the midtown area. Um, but you're just now starting to see things bubble up in the real true core of the city. We would have never got our hands on in another city. Like in another city, a mile from downtown, 23 acres, like we would have never got our hands on it. But that land sat there for a few years without a single offer. So, um, you know, that's part of the benefit of sort of being behind the curve. And we're trying to catch up, you know, our little piece of the city with the trajectory that the rest of Omaha is on. Um, so that it's kind of this unified ascension as opposed to, you know, this piecemeal type. With Omaha's upward swing as a whole, Othello and the team at 75 North dove in excited and enthusiastic about what they could achieve, about the vision they saw for the neighborhood. Everything is gonna take three times as long as you think it should take. Um, no matter how hard you work, no matter how, and I'm just naturally kind of an aggressive push, push, push kind of guy on, on these type of issues. He said, no matter how bad you want it, no matter how hard you work, um, these things are gonna take much longer than you think they are. Um, so the urgency, especially around education and, and, and those issues, um, you know, never really wanes from our side of it. When we talk about pacing or if you talk about how quickly something will occur, that is largely driven by kind of market forces, right? So how quickly can you raise the money? 
How quickly can you secure the tax credits? How quickly can you uh, gather consensus around what you're going to build? Um, but you know, I, I don't necessarily believe that there's something uh, that exists in terms of that's too fast or that's happening too quickly because people are in really dire situations or, 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 or very uh, desperate circumstances sometimes. And so you want to get uh, change and you want to get things going as quickly as possible. The urgency was definitely there in Highlander for an overhaul of the public schools in the neighborhood. But the team realized quickly that their vision for the community wasn't going to happen overnight. So Howard Kennedy had been a really low performing school for a long time. Um, which is an issue in and of itself, like in, in the primary issue. But we were trying to decide whether we were going to start in Howard Kennedy or we were going to start in another neighborhood school called Franklin Elementary. Um, we walked in Franklin first, and Franklin still felt alive and still felt, like, felt, still felt like there was possibility, right? Here again is Carol Naughton, president of Purpose Built Communities, who went with Othello as they were looking for which school would be the testing ground for the cradle-to-college pipeline in Omaha. And we, the first school we went to was Franklin. And we went there and um, there was some positive energy in the building and they had a um, dynamic principal. And even though the test scores were low, you felt like it had something good going on and there was a trajectory for that school. And then we went over three blocks away to Howard Kennedy Elementary School and there was no energy in the school. It was silent. Um, you didn't hear kids talking. You didn't hear, you didn't hear a lot of anything going on. To be fair to them, the parent of a of a, one of their students had just been murdered the night before. So we walk in, like on the day we're supposed to visit, and they're having kind of an all hands on deck staff meeting about how to deal with like this issue. And I think it it might have been their second or third one that year. And, and so it was like, we walked in and immediately it's a very difficult situation, right? It's, um, but then we walked around the school and, you know, I talked about energy before uh, and there was none. It was, uh, you know, it was one of these places that just didn't feel good. You know, we walked by and most times you go to a school and it feels good, right? The kids are laughing, joking, you know, and you can't help but smile or, you know, be excited or whatever, but this didn't. We walked into a computer lab and I watched kids playing with a computer and they had some kind of game. They thought they were playing a computer game, but it, the computers weren't really turned on. So they, they didn't even realize that they were moving a mouse that didn't connect to the game or to the, what was being shown on the screen. And nobody seemed to care about that. Nobody seemed to care that kids were just sitting there not doing anything. It was very, very clear that this is where we needed to start. So we walked out of the school and the first words, Carol just turned to me, didn't say anything else. She turned to me and she said, that school is dead. Like there's no energy, there's no life in that building. She's like, this is where we should start. Um, and you know, the thing that I loved about that period of time in the relationship with OPS was like, they didn't push back and say, oh no, the school, you know, like they owned it. And I said, we're in it, we're going to make a difference, we're going to get into this fight with you, uh, and we're going to get it right. And it, they very easily could have shut down because we weren't, I mean, we were pretty transparent about what we saw. Uh, but they joined the fight as opposed to saying, you know, uh, you know, you'll never have kids who achieve here or any of the other things you hear about neighborhoods like ours. 
Howard Kennedy, and it had been in the bottom 2% of the state of Nebraska for years, that there wasn't the energy. There was a principal who was about to retire, and it seemed like, yeah, this is the right place to start. Um, and so that was kind of, uh, that was really the place. It was the place where there was the most need um, the place where you know the kind of the transition in leadership was going to give us a chance to do something different, and uh, we had a chance that was really exciting to see if we could take the instructional model at Drew Charter School and translate it and help Omaha Public Schools itself implement it um, in a traditional public school, and so that was a really exciting opportunity for all of us. New superintendent came in, and. Um, wasn't afraid to, you know, kind of think big picture. So we brought him to Drew and said, hey, like, check it out. Like, ask whatever question you want to ask. And so I think he was really impressed by that. He was impressed by that openness. And he was also impressed by the fact that they weren't attacking traditional public schools. They were saying, we think there are things, we think that everything we do here could be done at Howard Kennedy. Uh, and that formed that trust that I think we needed to get going. Uh, and once he got kind of acclimated, got his kind of feet on the ground here, uh, we went to work. Um, again, the school board showed a lot of courage and a lot of vision by saying, you know what, we've never done anything like this before, um, but we're going to take uh, a, a leap and try and do what's best for kids. And that's really what it came down to with the school board. We took the school board to Drew, let them kick the tires, let them hear all the stories, let them look at the data, let them ask whatever gotcha questions they thought they had, right? And um, and they came back and said, okay, we, we can get behind this, we can support you. And they put you know, their own uh, political capital at, at risk and voted unanimously to let us proceed. So um, that partnership early on was, you know, I don't know, I, I wouldn't even say it was 50-50, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know in terms of the odds of it happening, uh, but with new leadership and then with the board really taking a pretty courageous stand, um, we got there. With the buy-in of the public school district after showing them the transformation at Drew Charter School in Eastlake, Othello and the team next worked to build trust and a shared vision with the parents and students at Howard Kennedy. We're having a meeting with parents and we're talking to uh, parents of a lot of Kennedy students. Uh, and, and Spencer Street Projects is right across the street from, from um, Kennedy. And we're talking to a lot of those parents. And, um, you know, the, we were talking to them as if they could afford to live in Highlander. Um, and many of them couldn't, really for various, you know, situations and various reasons. But one of the things that, that um, came out through the course of that conversation was we spoke to this mother um, who worked two different jobs, worked really hard, contrary to you know, every stereotype about people that live in the projects. And um, worked really hard, worked two jobs, turned down raises because she couldn't afford to lose her, her childcare, uh, the subsidy that helped her pay for childcare. Um, now, the alternative for her, you know, if she lost that subsidy, the alternative is, you know, she's gonna stay with somebody in the neighborhood who turns on Aladdin or, or some Disney movie and they watch that on repeat all day, you know? Um, and so that like really struck me as like, how do we help her? She's doing everything that everybody tells her she should do. So she's working really hard um, and she can't figure out a way how to get out of the projects, right? How to get out of this 
really difficult situation she was in, um, despite doing everything within her power, you know, to give her kids a, a better life. And so we're in this meeting and it's, it's pretty heated and, and we're just talking and people are saying we're moving people out of the neighborhood and all that kind of stuff. And there was a mother and she talked about growing up in Pleasant View and how um, she's really excited about what was coming because she knows what it was like to parent a child in that environment. And she said, I wasn't the best parent I could be because my main focus was just keeping my child safe. Right, so it wasn't making sure that they're in this enrichment program or, or that after school program. It was, how do I keep my child safe? And it wasn't, you know, all the things that you or I would do for our children, right? Because we don't have that overarching fear of what's going to happen if my kid goes outside or who's he going to be around and what's he learning from them versus what's he learning from me. So, you know, she stood up and she said this in this meeting and she talked about. Like, I know what it's like to live that life and to parent that way. And it was super powerful and kind of changed the dynamics of that meeting. And then I remember walking away from that saying, I could have never said that. Like, even if I knew that that was the case, I couldn't have relayed her story to other people. She had to be the one there to say, like this, you know, this is a way for all of us to be better parents, for all of us to have better lives, for all of us to have a different existence than we do now. And like, you know, it's kind of like she said that and dropped the mic, you know, and then I just shut up, right? Like, it's one thing I learned in law school, right? I know when to stop talking. <laughs> so, like, when she said that, I was just like, hey, I couldn't have said anything better than that. And so when I think about difficult days or not being able to get out of bed, it's, it's like, you know what? You know, she is counting on us to create something better, you know, for her family. And um, it's kind of a hell of a responsibility. And one nobody on the team takes lightly. Othello and his team are pressured from many directions. The school district, the families at Howard Kennedy, other neighborhood partners, to show metrics, to show success and failure quantified on a page. What's the third grade reading level proficiency rate? What's the grade level advancement rate? What's the absenteeism rate? But they push back on those pressures, choosing instead to change the question that was being asked. I thought I knew enough to know that metrics matter a lot when we're talking about reading and writing and, and whether kids are, are ready to go on to the next level, right? So when we first got to Kennedy, there were a lot of those kind of feel-good stories and, and the principal and, and staff would point things out like that. And the question that I always had was, but can this kid read, right? Are they ready to go to fourth grade? Um, are they prepared to move into middle school? Uh, are we getting them prepared? Are, are they coming to the school ready to learn, ready for kindergarten? Um, so, the, you know, the, the conversation around metrics in public education, you know, a lot of times, and I understand it from, from large district perspectives, right? They get beat up on a lot about those metrics. But, you know, I think if you are having an open and, and an honest conversation about what you're doing in that school, you're not maybe you are in part, but you're not there mainly, you know, to, to create anecdotes, right? You're there mainly, you know, to prepare kids for whatever's next in life. Um, and, you know, that's always sort of been our focus. And one of the things I really liked about what was going on at Drew is, you know, they were an open book about that. Like, you know, this year we dipped, right? So what are we gonna do to adjust and start to go back the right way again? So, you know, I, I think, 
you know, the culture piece of it tells a part of the story. But, you know, at least in my mind, you know, I don't want, you know, there's a term in public education or in the education world um, where we talk about loving kids to death, right, in, in terms of, you know, we pay so much attention to making sure a kid has a smile on their face and they feel safe and they feel loved and that's great, you know. Um, but we have to pay that same level of attention, if not more, to like, is this child being prepared for what the world inevitably is, is, is bringing to their doorstep? So um, we spend a lot of time focusing on, you know, where our kids are going. Whenever he's at Howard Kennedy, Othello does have one thing that he always checks up on to know if he and the team are on track or not. Well, this is a group of girls that are always together. And the thing that, like, really, and I said it yesterday, that really keeps me going when I think about Kennedy is, like, when you talk to them, you know, it's clear that they think they could do anything. Like, literally, like, you know, you couldn't tell them that they couldn't be anything. And I said, wow, that's, that's what we have to build a firewall around, right? And make sure that nothing ever touches, you know, that belief. And so every time I see, especially the, the two girls in the front, you know, they still have that. And that's kind of the barometer that you're, 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 you know, you're measuring. You're saying, hey, like, is that light still on there? Is, is, is that fire still burning? Do they still feel like they could be whatever? You know, and um, so far so good. But again, it's, you know, we're early. But that's one of the things that you walk into a school and I look for those girls and I was like, they still got it. They still believe. They still think they can do whatever. Carol believes Howard Kennedy is on track to have a similar transformational role in force in Highlander in Omaha that Drew has had in Eastlake in Atlanta. Nothing is perfect, but they've done a really good job at uh, implementing that model, and we're starting to see the kind of improvement that we know is possible in, uh, in Omaha at Howard Kennedy. Education isn't necessarily the silver bullet that it's often referred to as, but it is critical to help lift up a community to build the social capital, the self-advocacy, the empowerment and power that every community needs to thrive. Investing in the future of a neighborhood, its children and young adults, is not easy or straightforward. It's difficult and can run up against some really strong opposition. But making that investment, really being intentional in building a community's revitalization around its schools, will pay off dividends. You can't expect schools to outperform their neighborhoods, but you can expect healthy, vibrant schools to up the performance of the community and its residents. In the next episode of This Is Community, we'll see why equity should be more than just a buzzword. Because how do you know what a community needs unless you are in there really understanding the community? So equity means that you have to have voices of those that you're trying to um, help as part of shaping the solution in addition to understanding what the problem is. Listen to This Is Community wherever podcasts are available or on purposebuiltcommunities.org slash podcast, where you'll find more information on the Purpose Built model and the stories from this podcast. This podcast is created in partnership with HL Strategy. Our executive producers are Aton Davidson, Howard Lawley, and Sherry Crawley. Our producer, director, and editor is Brady Hummel. Mixing and mastering is by Matt Honkinen, and our music is from Pitchwire. 
If you like this series, be sure to subscribe and share it. I'm Alexandra Wiggins for Purpose Built Communities, and this is Community. Community.